The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. Welcome back to the I Am Independent podcast. Well, here we are with season four. We nearly didn't come back, believe it or not. We thought, are we repeating ourselves? Have we said all there is to be said? And of course, the answer is no. There is so much more to learn. The music industry is ever-changing. And one thing's for sure, independent artists are always going to need knowledge and support and encouragement. So here we are. And we're really pleased to bring you some great guests covering new topics, but also old topics at new angles as well. As always, you can contact us with any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover or any questions at all. On Instagram, you can find us at We Are Independent Artists. You can also email us on info at iamindependent.co.uk. And there's lots of information on our website and our YouTube channel as well. So grab a pen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to the I Am Independent podcast, and we bring you another episode where we are speaking to someone else who is equally fabulous and inspirational, juggling lots of things and somehow doing them all really well as well. Um, I met Hannah recently and I was really intrigued by her passion really and the fact that she does so many impressive things but she's still really down to earth and I immediately warmed to her. We've asked her if she'll speak to us on the podcast and she said yes. She's got two main hats that we're going to be speaking to her about. Um, Her kind of day job if you like is as an agent. She works with UTA. She's actually one of um, only very few black female agents so that's an achievement in and of itself. She is also the founder of something called Daju. We're going to ask her to tell us in her own words about that but it's all about creating community developing artists as well uh, from a really unique perspective so lots of passions lots of things to talk about Hannah welcome to the podcast thank you wow that was such a wonderful introduction I hope I can live up to any tiny part of that but equally it was such a pleasure to meet you and I feel like this is definitely the start of kind of like even our relationship and friendship and kind of moving forward within the industry because it's so important to have like-minded people around you I guess but thank you for having me. It's so true though isn't it I think um, obviously Bianca and I both meet so many people in different um, areas of the music industry and the ones that still have their passion even after they've been doing it for a while always stand out the ones who still want to champion artists uh, the ones who are still all about relationship and just being themselves Um, Hannah tell us a little bit about your journey into the music industry in the first place was it something that you always wanted to do even from being at school I mean when I you know when you're at school and you have like the year say year seven or year eight work experience that you kind of go on and I was kind of stuck in my mind of like what can I do where can I go and you had this sort of list that you could apply to for companies that had previously taken on students and there was this um like a music PR agency and I randomly applied to it and I got the like two week internship. And since that moment, I was like, I did this thing. 
I met this incredible woman called Michelle Barrett, who was like the leader of the department that I worked for. And she was just really inspiring and kind of made me feel like, actually, this is something that I really want to do. Um, I think it's really confusing when you're younger, sometimes that it's hard to kind of really pinpoint what you want to do and also have a deeper understanding of the types of jobs within the music industry. Mm. So for me, that introduction to, you know, this new world of PR and kind of like working with particular faces, names and musicians was really appealing. So from that point, that was the kind of first initial stage of kind of having this love for business within music. Because I know people always say this all the time, but like, I'm not an artist, I'm not a musician. I have zero talent in that area at all. But I really love looking after people and I love trying to like incorporate that into the things which are my passions, like music and events and creative consultancy. So that was my first introduction to it. And then from that point, I just continued to kind of get experience across the board. So I went from kind of working in a music PR agency and work experience to then kind of pushing to go to university where I did broadcasting. So I worked in radio for a bit. I did like a BA job role at BBC London and then also was kind of just a bit of a runner for them on like a temporary contract for a while. And then I moved over into more the electronic space. So I worked for Fabric Nightclub as part of their booking team. And then um, I got made redundant from that role and was like, damn, I got bills to pay. So I got, offered really randomly this opportunity to go for an agent's assistant role. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't have a clue what that would might entail. So I researched and thoroughly went through the job roles and so on and so forth. And then went to this interview, smashed it and got the job. And from that point, which was about 15 years ago, I then became an agent. And that was my real kind of like calling, I guess, and kind of understanding that this great role I could do and I could do it well and I could work with artists that I really admired and loved and also maintained a kind of deeper level within the underground side of the industry, because that's kind of really valid point, I think, on this podcast today is that, you know, predominantly I look after, you know, huge acts, but also some fantastic emerging artists, um, particularly electronic DJs and live, you know, indie alternative black artists. That's really, that's kind of like my journey into my role as an agent, but definitely sounds kind of sporadic actually that I did loads of different things which sounds confusing but they all had relevance and related to each other in the end. I don't think we've ever spoken to someone on the podcast that hasn't had a journey like that into music Mm. you know it's this kind of wiggly line and you sort of find your way as as you follow the opportunities and follow your passions I guess. Absolutely. I guess maybe we could start by talking about your your role as an agent then because I think independent artists have a lot of questions around that um, and I, I guess one of the first ones is is when, well, I'll, I'll say a few and you can answer them in order. But definitely, when do you need an agent and how do you get one? I think those are probably the top two questions. Like, when do you need an agent? I think it's whenever, you know, you're at that point in your career and especially when it comes to releasing music. Um, you know, when you're at your most prominent, when you're super busy and you're kind of putting on shows yourself and you're finding it quite overwhelming and you need that help, you know, you need an agent when you're ready to go live, so to speak. And I think quite often people feel that you can only get one once you kind of sign to a major or you have a manager, and that's really not the case. I look after a lot of artists that do not, that are not signed to majors, that do not have managers. 
you know, because actually the role of an agent is so much more than just booking shows, you know, the strategy around live is huge because it's probably one of the biggest, you know, one of the key parts, the biggest, a very key part of a musician's career. It's also, you know, a great amount of revenue that can be made from that, but it also, you know, depending on the type of artist that you are, for example, if you are an electronic DJ, you know, you're probably gonna look to have an agent before you have a manager because you're quite often going to be playing out, you know, mm. repeatedly across a week. Um, so that would be my answer is kind of like, you know, when you're ready to get an agent is when you are in the prime of your release in terms of music, and when you are finding things overwhelming that you can't manage it yourself, because another key point to raise is that, you know, a lot of artists on the flip side want an agent when it's too early, mm. when in actuality, you can do, especially your initial and your first shows, you can do those yourself. Like it's mm. so, it's a great opportunity to kind of, um, you know, gain experience and understanding in booking shows and putting something on yourself and understanding your audience. So, you know, even when I go to sign an artist, I might help and advise them on how to kind of announce their first show, how to book a venue, but certainly we'll get them to do it themselves because ultimately you're the best person that will understand your audience. Is that good enough answer? Yeah. <laughs> and what was the second question? Uh, so how do you get one? It's always been a bit chicken and egg. Like we've been told, you know, you need to do enough shows and of a certain caliber um, so that you can attract an agent. But then of course, sometimes you feel like you, you need, you can only get those kind of gigs with an agent. So it's always yeah. felt a little bit of chicken and egg. I think how to get an agent is definitely, I mean, there's one approach, which is kind of looking at each of the different agencies across the UK, looking at the type of agents within those companies, the rosters that they have to ensure that they reflect you know, your aesthetics and what you stand for and what you're about. So you can always approach in that sense. However, most of the time, an agent may come to you and that will be because of your, you know, I don't want to use socials as the main pool because it's not, because for me, I will actively go out and listen to mixes and I will listen to music and I will seek to find artists that I think would work well with what I'm kind of trying to build in terms of my full roster. So I think if you want to get one, yeah, approach them. I think it's really important to have everything in line, like mm. make sure that you've got some amazing assets to present to people, mm. like show people what you're about. And that's not through just having thousands of followers on social media, although that is a huge part of it and does work and help extremely well at the top level, I think. But making sure that, you know, you've got a fantastic press release, even if you've written yourself, that you've got, you know, really nice press shots and you've got, info is about how you've released and what you're about and what your plans are for the future so that's a really those are really important tools to have when approaching i think a lot of people get agents through word of mouth um you know i will often get sent recommendations like even yeah actually last week from a prs power up sent me across a collective of um djs from liverpool and was very prominent about you know you've got to meet these girls these are, these are amazing they'd really suit your roster and that's great because also you really trust in what people say to you when you have a good relationship with certain figures within the music industry. So that would be my answer to that question. That's awesome. Like all of what you said, I was just like scribbling down more questions. You, your, <laughs> your answers gave me lots of more questions to ask. But um, I wanted to kind of, for anyone who's, because um, obviously it's for independent artists, anyone who's an independent artist who are like, it seems obvious what a booking agent is. But we haven't mm. actually said what a booking agent is or what they do. Like, what is a booking agent? 
Um, yeah. It seems obvious, but I'd love to answer that, like, obvious question. No, no, it's not an obvious question, to be honest, because I, even when I was saying about, you know, when I first got in the music industry, when I was a lot younger, I didn't understand the role mm. fully. And, you know, you definitely are building and developing that role. Even to this day, I had extra job roles within yeah. agents. But essentially, your core role is to represent your artist and your responsibilities are ensuring that you are booking all of their shows. Those shows can be touring shows, live shows, club shows, festival shows. And, you know, one of the biggest things about an agent is having really solid relationships mm. with promoters and having your best interests at heart and understanding where to develop you in the right territories, how to build you out in terms of, you know, whether that's an introductory shows, small cap show, building you to do bigger ones, larger ones, helping you understand the, you know, the key roles of how you're, you know, pricing your shows, mm. how, you know, you might be building into production. There's so many aspects of what an agent will contribute to your mm. career, but predominantly our role is live. So our role is to book all of your live shows. And another factor of that could be outside of hard ticketed shows that could also be some really solid building within brands building out concepts with brands you know we have huge departments within agencies that solely focus on those things because mm. it's such a big thing at the moment with brand team ups with artists and kind mm. of developing ideas so that's another part of our role um you know you can also get agents a booking agent also works not just in live and i think this is important to say actually because I know that you work with developing artists and I think in particular not to the fact that we also look after, you know, authors, voiceover mm. artists, um, TV um, actors, you know, film. It's really key to mention that because one of the amazing things with like the company that I work for, UTA, is that we have so many different departments. You know, we have a marketing department, we have a brands department, TV, film, you know, it's insane, it's huge. And I think it's great because um, a lot of artists don't realise that there's so much that you can develop and build out into. You know, there's like a guy that I work with, Maxim, who's incredible and his sole role is kind of building the relationships between musicians that wanted to develop and create music documentaries later down the line, which is so sick. Like when you think of artists like, Action Bronson and what he does with his food shows, it's like, that is epic. And that's also a massive part of like, what I love to do is not just always doing, you know, solely focused live music events. Like we did a great event the other week where we teamed up with a chef, Mensa and Helena Starr, one of my clients, and we did our first um, supper club at the ICA Institute of Contemporary Art, and it was sick. So it's like things like that definitely dip into what the role of a booking agent could be. Mm. Well, maybe I just do too much and I don't realise. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really great. No, that's... Really, it's really... I think it's really interesting for um, artists to to understand all the, the roles of the various people that they would want to get around them. And actually, it's quite... Um, uh, it kind of helps with their vision casting and actually thinking bigger and, and really thinking about their trajectory to know fully mm. the roles of, like, yeah. a booking agent. To know, OK, there's it's not it's it's not it's it's about life but actually it can be about more how can i be thinking in a broader way about my own skill set and what what i want to do where i want to go what i want to achieve so um that was really really great what 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 misconceptions do our artists maybe have about booking agents like what don't you do 
Um, one of the things that we don't do is kind of like, I guess, overall strategy to mm. your career. So I think that sometimes the lines can get blurred. So yeah. like, especially, not with independent artists, especially with all levels of artists, that sometimes your role can then become so much more, which is not what we mm. do, for example, you know, a PA or like management yeah. or press, like there's often you kind of sit there and you're like, crikey, I'm doing all these things. And it actually does definitely not the role. And yeah. It's really important to kind of emphasize on that because we can only do our jobs well when we're focusing and being really, you know, structured around what we're meant to be doing. And that is building out your live career. So, you know, you have people like, you know, your publicist, your PR to deal with, you know, your press kind of really having manager to build out your overall strategy, you know, your radio plugins delivering your tracks to radio. There's so much more, you know, your production, your PMs and TMs and all this sort of stuff. But I definitely would advise in that sense, like never feel like you can't just go online and Google what job role is and just mm. read it through. Even make yourself a grid and just whack it into that and just bullet point it all because you know what? I think that Sometimes people just think that they can't, the ego's too big to just actually go back to basics a bit. And it's so important when you're building out your team to really understand what everybody's doing, what their job is to be. Because ultimately, you're paying for them at the end of the day. You know, we work off commission, so we're commissioning off our shows, managers, managers are commissioning off of everything that you do, you know. And that's, um, that's something that's really important to know, I think, mm, for sure. That's really cool. Just to remind you, our brand new I Am Independent Bootcamp video course is finally here. We launched just this month and it is something we've been working on for over a year. We're really proud of it and we really hope it's going to encourage and resource and help so many of you independent artists out there. And guess what? We have a special deal on right now. Until the end of January, you get 50% off. To tell you a bit about the course, it's in four parts. It covers everything from knowing your why, music admin, marketing, distribution, releasing your music, how to do a press release, campaigns, and much, much more. We have poured our heart and soul into this and it is just for you. To sign up, simply go to our website, iamindependent.co.uk forward slash bootcamp. Do let us know what you think. You can contact us about anything you'd like us to cover on Instagram at weareindependentartist, email info at iamindependent.co.uk and you can find us on Facebook too. Spread the word and enjoy. What should artists like? What should artists be aware of what they what they should do when they have a booking agent? Because often, like you know, so you have a manager, you're like, okay, cool, I don't have to do any. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to do any. I mean, I don't have to look at my emails. I don't have to do. And maybe that's true for the type of relationship you have. But um, when you have someone on board, you can often be like hands off. But what is helpful for an artist to be doing even whilst they have a booking agent? I think staying in tune with their team, like having regular Mm. meetings, regular catch-ups, like don't just hand it over to everybody Mm. else to deal with. I think some artists do do that and that can be beneficial, particularly if they are more of like an introvert and in the creative capacity just doesn't want to be involved in that. And that's totally fair enough as well. But I certainly think it's important for the artists to always have good relationships with every single person who is a part of their team. Like, mm. I'm a massive advocate for, like, you know, relating to your clients. Like, I don't, mm. I find it a bit alien when people don't know 
a person that's on their team you know that person could probably have completely different beliefs than you and like have completely opposite you know interests and that can be quite damaging I think you also need to ensure that you're having people who represent you in the right capacity like it's our job to fight for you and to get the best deals for you but in the right way and in a respectful way and I think um I would definitely advise you know regular meetings regular catch-ups and just being across things as much as you can, mm-hmm. but then at the same time also ensuring that you are remaining, you know, creative and focusing on your output as an artist. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really difficult question because then on the flip side, it just depends on the type of person yeah. that you are. Yeah. I have a lot of acts that are way too invested and that, that can become complex. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think also it's important to just allocate the right time I guess to really focus on your output what's really important for teams is to always work with artists that are you know active and energetic and want to do stuff and really invested in themselves I think is a good point to make because a lot of people aren't I think even artists are not 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 an artist you know we all need to invest in ourselves and remain active in what we're doing and I think that's important for everybody to maintain yeah that's cool yeah that makes sense I think um, one of the things you said earlier, Hannah, which is definitely, I found it to be true in my experience as well, is that often an agent will approach an artist because their their profile has been brought to their attention and they've come across them. Um, What do you look for in in an artist? What does an agent in general, what are they looking for uh, in an artist to know that they're going to want to develop a relationship or they're ready to, to sign them and work with them? I think the main answer to that for me is just like talent. Uh, longevity like I'm definitely one of the agents that isn't really I mean I'm interested in kind of like as artists that can be quite instant or one hit wonders but for me personally I'm really interested in building out a career for someone so when I'm looking at the biggest thing which I'm like yes it's like I'm really into your music I'm really into your aesthetics and I really think that I can build out your career for like 10-20 years I really don't want the like you know, it takes time to like build as an artist. So many times I meet people and they just want things instantly. Even an artist that's had top five or whatever, you know, you can be hot for a second and then you, but you can also really not be. So it's definitely about building out a structured artist in a sense where you're going to work and build together over the years and you're going to be able to adapt to the change in our, you know, in our tastes and, and whatnot, or be able to kind of like, hold your own within the genre that you're coming from, but develop and grow musically, I think is really important. You know, a lot of people and a lot of acts, especially underground artists or unsigned artists and younger artists, it's also like age aside, you're also growing as a human being. This sounds really naff, but you are like, you're definitely gonna go through different transitions in life, which are ultimately going to affect your output. So I think it's really important that you know, you can grow with someone in that way. Sometimes relationships work out, sometimes they don't. But in my mind, I'm always looking for that. Mm, that's so cool. Um, how can, like, maybe you might have any, some examples of it, but how can live or just building out that side of a person's career really shape their career? Or how, what, how has it in your experience? Um, is there times when it's been the, the crucial element that has... Um, help to create something that's sustainable and long-term or taking that artist to a next level? Like, how how, how, oh, can, yeah, that, how can live shape it? I think live is such an incredible thing, particularly with, you know, a lot of the bands that I work with mm. or singer-songwriters, and I, what 
just like so like one of my eyes that baker incredible when i first signed him you know we just sat on my balcony at work playing his guitar with like really horrible flip-flops on i was like oh my gosh he's this guy but then you know the growth in the building out live has been spectacular you know for so many artists that i work with when you start to build out a solid live show you see the look on their faces and how much it just entices and pushes them to that next level. That can be from anything, from kind of helping them build out their band, from like introducing new elements to their band. Maybe it could be, you know, a stereotypical setup and you might introduce, you know, the element of having like a saxophone player or a trumpet or like, you know, a cellist. And it, that is sick. And then you can also look at ways that you can kind of add production. So, you know, one of the things that I work with a lot of my electronic artists is how we look at their artistic output how that has relations with visuals and lights and how we can really elevate their shows it really does make the most amount of difference but it is so expensive mm. so it's one of those things where you have to be really clever with what you're doing um to try and maintain you know kind of like not going too much into your personal finances or affecting your guarantee but I think it's really worth the investment because, again, when we're going to watch an artist, even, you know, all of us three, it's like we want something from that show. We want to yeah. walk away from that, like, wow. We want to be like, oh, my gosh, that was sick. Did you see that part of the show? That was incredible. You're, you're telling a story. You're adding to not just your lyrics, your output, but you're also, you know, creating a kind of immersive experience mm. for that person who's bought a ticket to your show. Mm. And that's another really important thing to add is like, you know, with the ticket prices being quite high, you want to give a solid mm. show if you're going to ask people to buy into you as a live artist. But also, ultimately, again, on top of that, you know, by doing a great show, you're just attracting more and more people because they're going to go away, you're going to build your audiences. And that's really great because then, you know, those people are going to buy your music. So it's kind of like a, a system that you need to invest in. And I think it, it's really important, you know. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And would you advise artists to start with to um, um, build up their fan base in their own territory first? Or is it is it ever too early to visit other territories, um, even if those are, are small tours? What should the strategy tend to be there? If you've got a heat there and you've got a fan base, which you can usually, you know, find out from looking at your stats on your socials or kind of having an understanding of if you're not on socials, you'll probably be hit up or looking at your figures on Spotify, you can look at your top 20 countries of where, you know, people are listening to your music. And I think it's never too early or too late. I think it's just important to, you know, a lot of people always say to me, oh, I want to, you know, smash Europe next year, I want to do this territory. And I'm just like... These are all different countries. Have you got, you know, solid fans there? Like, have you, have you, you know, something had a really funny situation with the client. He was like, you know, I really want to go and smack, do a great show in Germany. I was like, can you just show me, like, you know, the history of why you think Germany is really solid? Like, oh, you know, I've been DM'd. And I'm like, two people DMing you isn't the reality of like a sold out 500 cap show. It's like, you know, you have to be realistic. These countries have incredible artists from, you know, from these territories that you know have solid fan bases i think another really mm. important tip is to look at the showcases you know in the uk we have the great escape we have dot to dot we have loads of really really great opportunities for emerging underground unsigned artists you can also look at ones that are really popular abroad so you know you have eurosonic that's in the netherlands which is amazing for particularly indie and alternative music you then have you know on the electronic side 
you've got ADE, you know, um, things like Sonar Primavera. You've got lots of really great festivals that and, and platforms, you know, that may have you on there if you're unsigned. So it's good to kind of really see how you can approach them. And obviously, you know, overseas in the States, you've got, you know, South by Southwest. So there's lots of opportunities. I definitely advise that it's good to try and do one of those first engage in the audience and then look to come back again and rebuild to your own so it's all about you know the strategy is about building it's about understanding what your what your clientele is like in different territories mm, yeah that's very good and so you mentioned about assets actually earlier um you said you know as an agent you know they often can look at socials and look at numbers and look at things like that but also important to have for artists if they want to approach or if they are approached to have some things prepared um and what what sort of things are you talking about um you did mention press release and press release and yeah. images and things but I think, like yeah. wires are really important i think um press shots i think all the press links to what you've had in terms of coverage before mm-hmm. i think a really nice document with all your links to you know your music who you've worked with you've been in the studio with you know a bit of background about who you are as an artist what you spend for mm-hmm. i think it's important to make it short catchy enticing and visually appeasing like i think sending somebody like you know a full page email you know people aren't going to read it that's a really savage thing to say but they're just yeah. not so just remember think of it as like what are your highlights like when you're reading a newspaper like what are the top things that you want people to learn about you and mm-hmm. i think those things would be the key ones that i would say mm-hmm. that's cool that's good. It'd be, it's just great just to have that kind of, okay, they can listen to this and make a little list. I need to get my stuff together so that if, when, I, you know, I'm prepared, or that can work on it, you know, mm-hmm. getting some good press shots, you know, I need to get some banks so that I can, you know, yeah. just getting, just having the list is cool. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's really good. So maybe it's a good point now to ask you about your, your kind of passion with, um, Daju, just tell us about um, how the idea came about, when, and what it is. So Daju is my creative consultancy. It was born like two years ago, actually, at the beginning of lockdown when live music went completely Mm. down the pan. And I've always done like a lot of non-for-profit work. I've done a lot of lectures and talks and always consulted, whether that be with institutions like the Arts Council, um, Royal Albert Hall, you know, always helping and advising on how to kind of build panels and talks and educating in a sense, a lot focused around DNI. So um, that was how it was born. I was sat in a park and I was like, oh, I just want to put everything in one place because I also think that like for your own brain and for structure in your life, it's really important to do that. And it allows me to keep it completely separate from what I do as an agent, which is really important because otherwise it can just become so overwhelming and overcomplicated. And actually, this is just a really beautiful part of my life that I've built over the years of doing so much creative consultancy and not really realising that that was what I was doing as well. So that's how Daju was born. And Daju is the Yoruba word for positive and means positivity. And with anything that I was kind of ever wanting to work in, particularly as I kind of grew in my career, there's so much toxic, you know, behaviour in the music industry and there's so much negativity sometimes, which can be just exhausting. So this is all about working with people in a really positive light. It's about bringing in good energy. I help companies build teams, whether that be to produce showcases, um, programs, you know, that is what I stand for. And that's what Daju 
is all about, yeah, creative consultancy, but done in a really positive way. And I love it. It's great. And what have been some of your um, highlights or real wins that you've been really proud of since you started it? So one of the first projects we did was with Afropunk, which was great, which was a showcase, but probably on top of that, which was fantastic, was that I created the first ever, I say we actually, I, shouldn't, I hate when people say I, we, because we are a company, we created the first ever Afrobeat showcase for South by Southwest, which was amazing. Yeah. We then made that program, which featured artists like Brenya and Darko and Loesch, it was incredible. And then we won the second program for that because people loved it. So we shot in Abbey Road Studios, two, three weeks ago, and we did the first ever Afrobeats showcase of artists from the UK in Abbey Road. So again, that was amazing. And what was even more incredible on both of those projects is that from the top down, um, pretty much everybody on that team was a black person. So that was really important to me as well, because I was so sick and tired of going to like shoots and events and whatever, where, you know, it's just, there's so many levels that we need to, you know, get to in terms of job roles. And I think that what's really important is that anything that I'm producing for somebody or advising on or consulting, I always want to put forward your people because I think it's really important and you must understand the culture and be respectful to artists and what you work in. So that's a big part of kind of why I felt that it was important to try as much as I possibly could to always build my teams like that. So that's kind of another, another arm of what we try to do. That's a lot. For only being two years old, that is some huge achievements. That's so cool. Is it something that you 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 mainly work with organisations um, and um, companies and agencies and and you know productions, or is it is is this something that artists get involved with? Um, is 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 it a different way around? Kind of, it depends really. I work with various different companies, mm-hmm. you know, predominantly people like, you know, the Arts Council, British Underground. They will come to me, We, will, I will devise a project mm-hmm. and then I will build the team to, like, you know, implement that project. But it's definitely, it really depends because everything's different from the, from the projects that I take on. But predominantly all of them will really focus around the programming mm-hmm. or the breaking down of people's teams, but with a with a real key focus on DNI, which is diversity and inclusion. So that's if that's a, a helpful answer mm. in that sense. Definitely um from the top down I would probably say, because it's yeah. my role my role is to curate programs but within teams that I've built yeah. for big establishments. That's so great. It's great to know that there are organizations like yours that are like you know properly emerging and doing great things in the space it does filter down and so artists um will be able to benefit obviously from from these sorts of um programs and events that you are putting on um that you're organizing so it's yeah it's great just to even get an insight that you exist and um yeah it's there for us so thank you no worries this has been so awesome lord did you have any um other questions no, I was just going to say, I realised, because normally at the end, when we've been speaking to people this series, we ask people for three wins and then three things people might not know about them. And you've kind of mentioned your wins, I guess. So yes, maybe yeah, yeah. There's um, <laughs> more, than, more than three, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they were big ones. Um, so yeah, maybe to finish then, Hannah, in a, on a more lighthearted note, and it doesn't have to be three, we realise as we asked three, then more and more people um, found it too difficult to think of three. But what would be, what would people be surprised to know about you? Maybe one thing 
that people might be surprised to know about you. Uh, if you didn't listen to uh, Nick's podcast, then you oh, might be, go back and listen. You'll, you'll discover something you might be surprised yeah, well, about. Yeah. Like, it was like a game I played recently with one of my incredible clients, Jaguar, and her wonderful manager, Owen, where we had to say, did we, we had to do, what was it, two lies and one truth or something. <laughs> anyway, I guess, I don't know, what are three things? Been, I love chess. I'm banging oh. at chess. So if anybody wants to play at chess, then boom, I'm there. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I don't know. I hate these questions. No, the fine. pressure. It's pressure. It <laughs> is. That people wouldn't know about me. That you, and also I... that you want to put out there in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I know, no, right? I advertise for my new man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sick chess player. Mm. I'm really mm. cook. I love cooking. Yeah. And um, I've had a wonderful morning speaking to Bianca and Loretta. Yeah. <laughs> they were perfect. Perfection. Well, thank you both so much. Honestly, what you do in your work is incredible and like so essential and important to emerging and underground acts. You know, the, these sort of platforms didn't really exist too tough when we were kind of probably growing in the industry. So it's just like, it's fantastic to see. And you know what? I hope that one day I'll look after some of the artists that maybe have listened to this show yeah. or been recommended by you too. You know, those sort of things. It's about building right so big ups thank you thank you so much no worries and we'll speak soon yeah yeah absolutely thank you so much bye and don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10-day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful practical and inspirational resources Sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk. For more great content from I Am Independent, find us on social media at We Are Independent Artists. Check out our Spotify playlist for new music from independent artists. Search We Love Independent Music. Woo!